Hi, I'm Sharon Pearson. Welcome to Perspectives. If you're joining the show, make sure to like, comment and subscribe. You can follow me on Instagram at sharon.pearson.official. You can send us an email to perspectives at sharonpearson.com. Love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy this week's episode brought to you by The Ultimate You Book, available online and in bookstores. And here's the show. my bowl I know you do as well Jay I just keep pushing trying to seek every single viewpoint I can on something to at least understand and then sometimes literally just dismiss it as that's never going to work and it's not scalable but just to try to understand but I'm meeting a lot of people who are not putting in this effort they're in their silo and they barely know it's a silo well yeah because obviously when you go on to Facebook it can be self it self-creates it, you know, you like this, you like that. And then all before you know it, you've got a bubble that doesn't really allow information outside of the bubble. And I think, you know, people get surprised about election results. How could that be? Everyone I know voted, you know. <laughs> and then you get this occasional person in your group of friends, you know, maybe that mad uncle will come in with a different opinion and everyone in your group will pillar on them because they're all in that bubble. So it is, it is you know, very, uh, very isolating. But I do have a question um, for both of you. So one of the most sort of powerful things we've got as business owners, as entrepreneurs, is our ability to make a decision. So that's really what entrepreneurship is about, making good decisions and then acting on it and making other good decisions. So what is, um, it, let's say a business owner is listening to this, a coach, consultant is listening to this and they're thinking, you know what, I, I need to get myself future ready, I need to get myself now ready what are some of the things they should keep in mind when evaluating some new way, some new business opportunities, some new entrepreneurial activity? What are some of the criteria or framework that you would use in doing that? Shall I take it away, Perry? Yep. Okay, so e-commerce, firstly. But let me just break it down. Um, one of the things that we've done very well and I hope I don't sound smug when I say that because it can all come unraveled with the next thing foisted on us. But at the moment, the thing we've done for many years is to create a meaning-driven, purpose-driven community. So we have a lot of loyalty in our community that we, it's precious. So <laughs> one of the things we treasure beyond all measure is our community and we have really got hundreds of thousands of people around the world who don't just see us as a source of coaching education but we are their source of belonging and of competence and of feeling masterful and of loving what they're doing we are to many people the family that they deserve to have who's into them and values them and just really wants them to succeed and champions them. So it's not about getting a customer. It's not about getting a paycheck. It's about creating a movement of people who are loyal to the ideals that you are and sharing that with passion. And the other thing I think is so important is it's not, I tell, I teach everybody who will listen. It's never about getting a client. It's always about providing so much value and being so generous that there's an inevitability if someone digs that and loves your message, there's an alignment, you should do business together. That's, it's not about, oh, I better get some money in. It can't ever be that. Even in these times, it's gotta be, what do I stand for? 
what is it that I provide value around? Mm. Who's moved by that? Create a movement around it. And then the invitation becomes inevitable. They're going to want to stay. So I call it generosity marketing. Give away your best stuff first for free. And I think, Jay, I think, Perry, both of you are on the same page with this. It's about be generous with what you have and how you can serve and how you can help. Create the movement. And then within that, you create a cluster of even more loyal people who will buy your programs or want to be closer to you, have more access. But the movement is going to be there through every single time because they are driven by something bigger than the transaction. Mm. It's not you solve the problem, therefore I pay. It's elevated to we share a movement, we share a purpose, we have a commonality in how we want to express ourselves and how we're living our lives. And that's going to carry me way past any actual transaction. So that's, that would be my top ideas. And also I've said it before, let go of how it was yesterday. Those days have gone. Just it's most retail stand up stores, paying a mortgage, paying a, paying a rent question, all of that dramatically question, all of that, that, that would be my thinking. How about you? Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd... Question, Remy. Um, so with that, uh, one of the things about you is, you know, you're obviously a bold leader. You've got a vision. You've got a really clearly articulated set of principles you live by. Um, some of the, the people I work with, that's not so much their thing. Like they're more uh, transactional or technical experts. Like it's just they don't have that kind of desire in them to lead a community, lead a tribe. Like what would you say to those people? Do they need to just find it within themselves or find someone that does want to do that work of, you know, because every community needs leadership, right? Um, I think. We've got spiral dynamics, which yeah. level you business at. So that's a level three transactions where it's just money for time, money for a solution. That's level three marketing. Yeah. That always is uh, fast paced, limited in the number of transactions, limited in how long the relationship will last. It's literally based on uniqueness, differentiation, and get me my results or I can't use you. I yeah. don't ever want to do business in that space. And I don't encourage anyone I work with, any businesses I work with, to be in that space. Because you're literally going to attract people who just want a solution and just see you as you're a cost-benefit analysis. And I don't ever want to be seen that way. It's got to be elevated beyond that because then business can be done in a lot more flexible way, more fun way, it's more uh, transparent, it's more energizing and everything in the, in the social sciences shows where there is transparency and openness and ability to flourish and ability to express, you have a better relationship and you have a better outcome. So I'm gonna say get with the program. <laughs> yeah. And John, I I would agree with Remy. Like, I really agree with Remy. You, there, there's an attraction factor that happens uh, once you're in that space. Yeah. Um, I am going to go where, you, where, where you're digging, though, and to say, which I'll go to now, because I agree with everything that Remy said. I, I, I answer that question from my perspective and adding to what Remy said is that um, it comes back to what we're communicating before. It's about trends. Yeah. And, and seeing. So you've got a future pace. Okay, so... You can, you can already be aware of what industries are being challenged, mm. um, what industries are likely to open up and flourish in the next five to 10 years. It doesn't take brain science to work that out. Mm. You're going to have to be awake. 
to, to that and you're going to have to investigate that. So you've got to be a bit of a futurist. Okay, so as an example, I have a young, what's that? You say awake, awake to what? Because if I'm on the wrong news sites, I could I can be awake, but I'm, I'm not getting the right data to, do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, you've got to be getting the right data. Like if I'm awake and I'm reading the Herald's, Sun, I'm not saying it's good or bad, I don't read it, but if I'm in the wrong data sources, I can be as wake as you like. You've really got to be, you know, cluing into AFR, you know, trend-based magazines, you know, stats. Well, what's the... Where, where are you getting information from, right? Correct. Okay, so uh, that, that word awake is really a good one because awake means that you're not being disturbed emotionally. Awake means that you're not just watching mainstream uh, media 10 hours a day. Uh, awake means that you're uh, awake in consciousness, observing what's happening in the world. So you have to get good quality sources of information and they're still out there. Um, uh, one of the things you can see, I'm, I'm smiling because I'm so excited about this because we've been able to add and because of our pivot into recession busters, I'm getting to do something that I've never been able to do before. I'm now talking to my business clients about what's happening between China and Australia or, or <laughs> things that I've always been interested in, right? Yeah. That they're now interested in because it's going to matter to their future income businesses. So it's being yeah. awake to trends. It's being awake to what's happening politically in the world and being aware of what's emerging, right? So, you know, it's a no brainer. Uh, my health uh, clients, I've got clients that run uh, uh, health, uh, what do you call them? Like, you know, no, yeah, like salons. Like they got, you know, five osteopaths and a, a three naturopaths, and you know, one of those things. They're doing. They're just doing absolutely amazing at this point. They're flying. You've got clients that are helping people get online. They're flying. Um, you can start to gear up for uh, uh, bread makers, as an example, right? Simple things like bread makers. You've got to get. There's going to be an emerging market of poor people that are going back to live more off the land. So micro greens, uh, caught, yep. you know, like there's a whole bunch of things that will open up in the poor, within the sort of poor sectors and in the wealthy sectors. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just being awake to trends. Right? One of the ways, J.A., I get accuracy in trends, and I'm not saying I am always accurate, is I will look for what I think the data source is and I'll see how accurate they've been in the past. Mm. So I'll really question the data point until I can see previous trends have been predicted reasonably accurately. And then I look for a confirming data point somewhere else, but that becomes, can be just become silo confirming. I can get in a bubble with that. So I look at the quality of the source. Do they have the track record that them saying that trend is accurate? For example, there is some reporting right now going on that China's just behaving badly with Australia. You've got to get decent data points. It will tell you they're behaving aggressively around the globe with many, many countries. They've just moved in on an island near India. They have taken, moved into the Himalayas on the Indian border. They are moving aggressively into parts of Europe and doing the same things they're doing in Australia. So to say this Australian data point, you're not getting the right information. So I hear one data point, I think, where else is this happening? Is this a trend that's global or is it specific to my world? So I'm very questioning of data points and I assume they're too myopic and they're too limited in what they're reporting because most reporting in Australia wants to be interested in what's happening to Australians. 
and I don't think that's giving us the best information. What about you? Oh, and Remy, I want to say, just add to that again. So these, you, you can't, this is the, the problem when we talk about journalism before, you actually can't trust what people are saying. So I've watched this whole movement against China and I watched that, I mean, it's been going on for years, but I watched Steve Bannon and, and the American elite probably about two years ago started to really sort of push up this rhetoric about how China were up to no good. And again, oftentimes these are vested interests. It's in their vested interest to say that because they've got some uh, political gain to make from it. And so therefore they can't be trusted. And I think it's really important to, like you said, you've got to dig deep and, and it's hard these days. You've got to find out, well, who is unbiased? Where is the unbiased information coming from? Um, and that's something that you have to do work to, to, to identify. And there is no one, right? There's no one that doesn't have at least some agenda. There's numbers and data. They don't, they may not have an agenda depending on how they're put together. Oh, I think some of the economic people. Right now? Would you, would you be listening to Warren Buffett when he's in all the old school industries? And as so, <laughs> I, if I can't listen to Warren, what do I do? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I reckon I listen to some of the economic people and uh, I, they're only interested in, they're, they're, in, in, they're not political, they don't have agendas, yeah. um, they're just reporting data and statistics. Um, yeah. yeah. If you can find them, they're good. I mean, a lot of it comes from the, the, uh, the government and they've often got ways of, you know, in, in, Plating it and stuff like that. But yeah, I agree with you. There are some good economic reporters that are just trying to present a clear picture of the, of the data. Um, One of the ways to go is to be a consequentialist. So I'm a consequentialist in my thinking when it comes to my business. Mm. If this is happening and keeps happening, what is the consequence of this? What is the knockdown effect of these dominoes if they build up some steam? Yeah. Because if you treat everything as isolated, you never see context. And if you never see context, you can't see trends. You can't see trends. You can't capitalize on trends. So as I look at China, and I'm a consequentialist on China, worth the, this is one off barley growers took a hit. Is it a pattern? I saw it as a pattern around the world. Is this going to keep going? Hong Kong, they are going to be a police state. In the next five years, China has moved aggressively into Hong Kong more and more to the state where it's not going to be what it was. I don't have any investments in Hong Kong. I have no best interest in saying this. I'm just sharing an example of how I've used prediction to say where that's heading. That's a really unpopular view <laughs> in my own head because I want Hong Kong to stay as a commercial centre and to be thriving, to have the freedom it was promised and because that would be the just thing to do but I've got to fight all my emotional desire to believe in the good in the world and think, well, actually, Hong Kong's going to, in five years' time, be radically different to what it is today. So it's about consequentialism. If I keep going down this path believing this, what am I ignoring? And what is the knockdown effect of me ignoring that? Mm. But by the way, that, that, you, that shows uh, an ability to put aside emotion to be logical. So you can only do that, Remy, because you can park, and I'll just use these words, your egoic self, okay, the ego with its desires and wants to actually look at things rationally, whether you like the outcome or not, you're looking at it rationally. Yeah. And with these conversations, I really don't like what I'm seeing. And that part of me that wants to be emotional every now and again just retreats. So I just retreat into it and just think, 
it'll be fine because it just gets so overwhelming when I consider the consequences. And Jay, I think you're doing that as well with your one business you've got that's doing really well, the other not as well. How are you applying the study of consequences with your businesses? So how my um, so we just double down on what's working. Um, yeah. so just put the energy on what's working, um, and it's sort of the whole uh, Boston Consulting Group. You know, you've got your your stars, uh, which are the businesses that are sort of growing. You know, at over ten percent or over twenty percent a year, and they um, and they've got sort of blue sky ahead of them. And then you've got the uh, cash cows, which may be doing okay, but they're never going to be spectacular. And then you've got the dogs, which you cut. So um, cutting things that aren't working. Um, we've, you know, obviously we had a commercial real estate uh, program, obviously not focusing on that at the moment. It's just uh, it's challenging, right? It's incredibly challenging. <laughs> but e-commerce is booming. So focus, uh, you know, fish where the ducks are quacking. Um, and that's, it's so common sense, but that's what you what you got to do, right? Um, you just got to fish where the... Ducks are quacking, no offence to pescatarians, vegans, etc. But um, I thought you said fish where the ducks are quacking. And I thought, I'm going to have to follow you, up with that beautiful. I think, that, I think that's an expression. I think that's an expression. Is that an expression? Anyway, um, it's that whole river thing. All we've done is just double down, like, you know, 70,000, 80,000 leads um, in the uh, e adult learning niche last month. And in the sort of more real estate and trading and stuff, it's around 20,000 leads. So you can see where we've had our uh, focus just based on the numbers. Um, we just focus on what people want, which is which is the nature of capitalism. Out of interest, John, do you have to, in that cutting of what's not working, do you have to sort of, is there an attachment to wanting to get into work? Are you quite quick in being able to go, well, uh, <laughs> with this present trend, that's not going to work. So I can, I'm just going to drop it. Yeah, I mean, we've we've got a US real estate product. I do think that has potential um, long term. People always need a place to live in, um, and there will be opportunities in in property over there. So that is we're keeping going, but it's just trying to get it working. It's hard, um, but there's sales coming in, money's being generated. I do think there's an opportunity there, and the the market size means it's worth persisting in. Uh, trading is another wave. Like there's hundreds, I don't know, there's probably tens of millions maybe, definitely millions of people who are entering the market now, yeah. seeing opportunities. So trading is another good niche and we are focusing on that. Um, but e-com is just a huge wave. And, and, you know, Kogan, little old Kogan in Australia, 2 million customers now. Uh, Amazon share price has gone up by 40%, hired 200,000 people in the crisis. I mean, you've got to double down on the on where the growth is. Um, so, yeah, that's... Uh, How about you, Terry? With the question again? How are you going with this? How are you... What are you driving into or where are you seeing the opportunities that you're driving yourself to or different businesses or your clients? Oh, no, that's, that's great. That's great. Um, for me, with, with our launch of, of Recession Busters, to me, I've entered the conversation that's happening in people's heads. I mean, John, John's an amazing marketer, as you know. So mm -hmm. he's said that stuff for years. It's like you're entering the conversation that happens in their head. So when I got recessionbusters.com.au, um, I knew that it was going to be used and needed. 
And so yeah. now I'm aligning, I've, I've probably spent the last three months, it's been a bit arduous, to be honest, where I'm just having to work out how to re-communicate. Um, because we had our, in what we were doing before, we'd had years of honing communication. So our lead gen worked really well. Everything was working really well. So I've just gone through that process again of rejigging messaging for what's happening in the marketplace right now. Uh, a big part of what we're doing is giving people trend information, something that I've never done before. So we, we yeah. get our groups together and we're presenting trends that are happening and, and things that we mm. think that people need to be wary of. So, yeah, we're kind of excited uh, and nervous as well. Okay. Uh, I've had uh, businesses back in that I'm involved with in NZ. Uh, some of them are doing well. Some have been smashed. So, yeah, it's... Uh, We've had one business smashed. Um, I own a car, would you believe, a car wash in here in Melbourne, and it's down. Uh, I have to put in $20,000 a month just to keep it open. Yeah. So it just, John, you're talking about what you don't put your energy into. That's just getting by. We just pay so it doesn't go under because we've invested obviously a lot of capital in the machines. And it's a, right now it's a complete dog, and we've doubled down on the stuff that is just so easily the wave. It's just, just follow the wave and don't resist it. So, but we have taken a hammering with that. We also, um, I have investments in a couple of, my lack of expertise will show here. All I can say is I have part interest in some tire companies and that's the extent of my knowledge. Um, they really took a hammering as well. So we yeah. have lost our returns on the investments there, but we've made up for it in the so-called pivots that we've done into the areas so that our source of revenue from assets has gone up net, but a couple of areas have really taken a bath during this time. So we actually had one of our customers get a $1,600 fine driving to get their car washed. They made it illegal to wash your car. Uh, cool. How do you get a virus driving in your car with the windows wound up going through a car wash? You give a bureaucrat the ability to make some rules and they'll yeah. make some rules because they get paid for making rules. <laughs> wow. By the way, I just really interesting listening to the two of you because one of the things that I observe in both of you is the ability to adapt. So you, you, you both have the psychological ability just to adapt to what's happening. Where what I've seen a lot of people struggle with is adapting quickly. It's, it's they're not free or creative enough or not free of the past enough to to be able to do that like listen to both of you talk okay things going really well things not go so well and you can quickly move on mm. yeah it's, a, it's an ability to adapt one of the things i've done is we i teach a model um that seems to work for us for years so if you're running a business 70 percent of your energy goes into core so what forms the majority of your revenue you protect that that's called core 20% you're going to improving your core, so you're always expanding your revenue source. The one that pays the mortgage, that's always been protected. Then 10% of your energy goes on innovations on a normal day when you don't have this government response to the virus. What I'm now doing is reversing that. It's now 80% is on innovation, 20% improvements, 10% on core. Because wow. all the growth is coming in new opportunities, not anymore in just maintaining core. Core is as long as with our business then with the car wash it's none of that it's a hundred percent core and protect core <laughs> it's yeah. just yeah but the maths had to change when the times changed 
So new, when, when the opportunities present themselves, you've got to expand your innovation bucket by a massive amount or you're not going to be open to the opportunities. Yeah, wow. That is an amazing flip. 80% innovation. Um, Easily. Yeah. Easily. Right now, we have made huge decisions in the background that are instrumental to the future of the business, the two major businesses that we have. Mm. Um, and Remy, when you make those, those decisions, is this you and your husband or do you have a group that gets together? How do you, what's your process for? Uh, it's my husband and I have a board meeting every Sunday for breakfast for about two hours. And we go through review, prediction, consequences. How's that going? Are we moving ourselves closer to more closely aligned with the future that we want to have? And what are the decisions? And we assess them. And we try to be as brutally, brutally honest as we can with those, as much as you can be, obviously, cognitive dissonance is going to kick in and we're going to praise ourselves for dumb shit, but we're doing the best we can. And um, really the question we've asked ourselves is, and I do again feel very smug being able to say this because of the position we're in. So I'm you know, with all, as much humility as I can, given how well we're doing. Um, this, this has presented an opportunity because we're business owners to craft our businesses the way we've always dreamed of instead of the way the river took us. And so going virtual has been the greatest gift forced on us and foisted on us we've ever had. All of our events were face-to-face. They've moved 100% online, obviously, and our business is doing better. Our students are doing better. We're attracting more leads. It has never been easier for us. And that was because the innovation, we're not going to act like we're temporarily going to move people. We've got 32 plus staff. We're not temporarily moving them home set it up so we are virtual, act like this is forever. And the greatest gifts that have come out of this is because we pivoted to that so wholeheartedly in such gusto and true passion. Like I fucking love it. I love that we get to do this online. We're in countries we never would have been in because we're doing this. Because of that, we now see a new horizon line of opportunities. Because once you've made a new decision, you see a different horizon line. So new opportunities are coming from that. So the innovation model, if your business is doing okay during these times, I think so must for every business owner. Yeah, mm. Remy, one of the things that I did was similar to me, this was an opportunity to, uh, I, I said to myself, okay, so I've actually got the chance now to create exactly what I want. And I've always created what I want, by the way, but over time, things get big, as you know, they become cumbersome because you, you, and I went, well, you know, I can really just do anything that I like right now. So I've sort of brought that to what I'm doing as well. Yeah. And I'm powering off things that, oh, I don't want to move forward with that. I don't want to move forward yeah. with this. And I don't want to move forward with this, even though they were okay. It's not yeah. like I'm complaining about them, but I've sort of realized, well, I don't like, there's other ways I can do things now. It's really interesting. It's a good use of it's time. It's an interesting freedom that if you allow yourself to entertain the question, what would be my dream rather than what the business just grew. Like the business TCI just grew. It just became bigger and, and it became a way. But this mm. meant we could reset and say, is it the dream way? And that's been a real gift during these times. And I, again, I'm going to say the disclaimer, I'm aware this is not the conversation for a lot of people. And I dig that we are so fortunate and so lucky that we happen to be in the type of business that can do well in these times. I get this is not the conversation a lot of people are having. But in saying that, anyone that's not having your experience, 
this this conversation is still really important because regardless you have to be aware of this thing keeping yourself awake aware of what's happening not tied to the past you need to be looking at future trends so it doesn't matter where you're at in business how mm. smashed you've been those things that we've talked about today are what you have to do mm. so absolutely to if do. we hadn't done it we'd be gone <laughs> every business would be gone if we hadn't done it so correct you right mm, absolutely and what about what are your daily practices to stay emotionally resilient, to have the grit to keep going? Because one of the things I know is making these sort of pivots, following these new trends, setting up a new business in a new growth industry rather than being wedded to one that you've historically done that doesn't have much potential now is going to take grit and resilience. Basically, in my experience of being an entrepreneur and business owner, it's just a series of emotional events. <laughs> you know, you, you solve one problem, you get a little bit of relation, dopamine, some good results, and then you've got some new business emotional firestorm to deal with. And that's what people are going to have to go through as they set up new enterprises, even get new jobs, new careers, upskill themselves. They're going to have to have emotional resilience and grit. And my experience has been the way to make that a lot easier is daily practices um, to up your emotional state so you can deal with them more forcefully. So what are you guys doing to keep yourself um, up and in peak state to deal with those emotional challenges as they arise? Okay. Uh, meditate. I'm a meditator. Uh, I've been a meditator. How do you do it? Okay. So now I talk about rants. I'm passionate about meditation. So uh, I use the most boring form of meditation which is I, for 40 minutes to an hour a day, I will just observe my breath in and out into my dantian down here. And uh, this is a really amazing training because as thoughts take that awareness away, because you think about meditation, yeah. meditation is the ability to control or direct awareness. Okay, so I, I can use my will to direct awareness down into my dentin or here or just observe my breath in and out. And so in doing that, obviously thoughts come up and they take you away. But mm. then you see that the thoughts are taking you away and you bring your awareness back. Now, I've been doing that kind of practice for 35 years. And what that enables you to do is in the heat of stress or the heat of I'm trained to, to disconnect from emotions, to be honest, uh, not get in an emotional state. My, my meditation training does the opposite. It, it gets me away from emotion. Mm. Um, my, I can't find words for it, but I would feel very centered. Emotion arising rather than be consumed by it? Or, or I don't even have, like, if you, if you, if that form of meditation that I'm talking about, that's a specific form of meditation. What it does is it reduces the size of the amygdala. That's a fact now. Wow, that's yeah. great. Yeah, and no, so what it does, right, the, the, this is, when I first started meditating, there was no science really, no good quality science. Now there's amazing science. So the, the particular form of meditation that I'm doing has many, 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 many benefits because you actually get to the point where you can observe yourself. You get, you can observe that very practice of always seeing and pulling back your awareness, you start to be able to see your emotional makeup, your, your, your patterns. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now on 
uh, on a brain level, what happens is the amygdala shrinks, it becomes deactivated. And so as the amygdala becomes deactivated, obviously you're not getting the flight and fight response that most people are getting because your amygdala is tied to your adrenal complex and also high beta brainwave states, right? Which both will put you into poor decision-making. So when you are reducing the activation of the amygdala, you're reducing the firing of the adrenal glands, your, your body's being swamped with dopamine, oxytocin through the meditative practice itself. So you're tending to feel good. Mm. When people are in emotional drama, it looks very strange to you. Right, you, I can't even explain, but here's a here is a, a distinct byproduct. You start to separate logic from emotion. So that's I, I, I'm not walking around like that. Don't don't get me wrong. I don't walk around like that twenty hours, twenty four hours a day, right? Mm -hmm. But for the most part, my my logic operates without care of my care for my ego. And that's been a distinct byproduct of meditating as much as I have. So mm -hmm. that, and you can tell I'm passionate about it and exercise. I surf. Yeah. 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 And, 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 uh, stand in horse stance and do some yoga. Yeah. Where are you, yeah. are you Where are you based? Uh, I'm in Byron Bay at the moment. I lived oh, in Byron Bay for geez, 25 years. We sold up, there well four years ago we had a bunch of properties here we traveled for quite a bit and in covid <laughs> a quick short story there was a drug clean out in this town like the drug dealers and i know everyone in this town so all these drug dealers were in prison and so i was getting phone calls oh such and such house is free so <laughs> we don't know where we'll be after this we don't know <laughs> yeah but i'm enjoying myself all my sons are coming home so this is where they were born. Firing without drugs. Why would they do that? <laughs> yeah, that's right. It was a drug. <laughs> uh, but it's been beautiful. I've, been, I've had Byron with uh, no tourists here, which is why I left. Yes. I just got over the tourism that was happening here. So yeah. you meditate and you exercise. And do meditate. you have other focus? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, I So, well, you're asking a deep question. So when I grew up, I was very fortunate to have some amazing teachers. So I was in, in, in New Zealand in Borsal for violent offending, which is like uh, what they call juvie here. And so I got brought up in a lineage where we had to really see and tell the truth to ourselves about ourselves. So once I decided to clean up my act, that, that's a self-observation practice. Mm. Um, and be honest about how I am. To, to be honest, I don't have to do lots of inner work. It's like I did, apart from the meditating, and I've got a dedication to love. I've got a, so I suppose I have a, 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 an approach to myself, and I probably teach people this as well. I believe in a noble cause. So a noble cause is, you know, I, I'm full of all sorts of impulses. Like I, I could easily kill someone. Um, I've got a lot of violence in me. Um, I'm 53 now, so I, I'm not as effective. But uh, I've also got, got all sorts of primal emotions in me. So, you know, I, I, I know that if I was in a certain place, I'd be picking up a machine gun killing people, right? If that was, if I was in one of those environments in Syria, as an example. So in, uh, as human beings, because animals can't do this, we can actually extrapolate value systems. So I have a value system, which is love. 
my family's the most important thing to me. So my wife is a practice as an example. I love my wife so much that makes me be responsible for my emotions because why would I treat her this way if my dedication is to love? So I probably have a dedication to value systems. Mm. It's mostly implicit now um, because that's what I had to use to overcome my, all my violent tendencies and how I was as a young person. I'm dedicated to love. Well, this behavior is not loving. Better clean that up. So there's a, there's a, a, a dedication to love uh, in, in my family. We're, we, we're allowed to moan, but you're only allowed five minutes of moaning. It's the best thing ever. Um, yeah. Right, right. It's like, yep, well, there's a million other people worse off than you. And it's kind of a family mantra. Um, so there's a dedication there's to... There's billions worse off if we're... Yeah, billions. That's right. Billions. So, so there's a dedication to, 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 yeah, just clean up your act to honour an internal value system. And mine happens to be love. Okay, am I being loving? Well, no, not really. Okay, I better clean that up. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and, you know, for people listening to this, you know, obviously, you know, Perry came from a violent background. He's got that part of himself. But for others, you know, it might be, does me gossiping contribute to that? Does me, you know, bitching myself? Does, is that living up to my highest values? You know, what is your own uh, extrapolation of this? What about you, Remy? What are your, whenever I speak to you, just like a, charging ball of you know kinetic <laughs> energy what do you do to get the spark going or you just wake up and then boom uh, i i'm really fortunate i pretty well have my ideal days these days so i can wake up in either mode and create the day that i want so my day is constructed so it's based on what's my purpose mm. so i have a purpose statement and a theme for the year so my purpose stays the same but i have a theme for the year this year it is emotional honesty so it was interesting what Perry was saying about being honest with yourself. And then I have my value system and then I have my goals and then I have decision-making. So how my day is spent has to go through a filtration system of five different um, being states that are really core to me. So I value love, health and fitness and vitality. I value wisdom, playfulness, creativity, emotional truth, um, compassion and passion. So I put it through the filtration system. Is it being that or is there something from this that I can learn about that would help me be more that? Then the day really is about, I'm studying a master's, so I'm consumed. Um, but it's about the things that got to be done. And they all go through the filtration system of this. I've been doing this for 17 years, John. It goes through this, but it's not a conscious, I've consciously got to think about my theme, my purpose, my values, my goals. It's just that it's my beingness, that that's what I'm going to do. And then there's also permission not to do any of that and be dramatic wife who needs rescuing. I'm going to cry because I feel like a person knowing full well, I've decided I need to shake things up. I need to be a bit dramatic. And my husband gets fair warning. That's it. I feel not feel like having my shit together right now. And all of that goes out the window because I don't want to be automated about it. I don't want to be mechanistic about it. You're so, I want to be hearing about it and I enjoy drama. So every now and again, I'm going to do drama and I'm going to be upset more than perhaps the situation may warrant, whatever. <laughs> but, but by the way, what's really interesting there is you can still see like Remy's got a similar thing. I want to know what yours is, John, but Remy's the same thing. It's like she has her, I'll just call them values, what, what she, yeah, yeah what, what she respects, value system she respects and she's, doing her her best to bring herself into alignment with 
those value systems. Yeah. And it's a, what about you, John? <laughs> yeah. So for me, uh, a large part of it is just around emotional uh, state management. Um, so, you know, I'll start the day, I'll do 20 minutes of uh, breathing exercise. I can hold my breath for like three minutes when I do wow. this. I hot breathing and it's a weird thing because it's not like you're gonna get a call you know you've got the Nobel prize you can hold your breath <laughs> i will be prepared to stay underwater or hold my breath for a long time but that really you helps. can hold your breath for three minutes that's exactly the skill set i've been looking for exactly. <laughs> help me pivot to the new holding breath industry that's emerging <laughs> So I do that, um, that kind of clears my mind, gets my, because I don't wake up cooked, right? If I wake up and that's my state for the day, the day's not going well. So I'm either going to do that, I'm going to go surf, I'm going to go for a walk, I'm going to get my body moving in some way. And that's, you know, probably the biggest, um, you know, it's really, I think Tony Robbins talks about this a lot, you know, just if you're going to do anything at the start of the day, get your physiology uh, moving. And that's been the kind of one biggest um, thing I took from him and it's, serve me well so the first thing i'm going to do in the morning is somehow get my physiology into a better state i mean obviously caffeine in the shower will do that but i'm trying to you know take it next level so yeah and then <laughs> i've got my surfing and my crossfit and all that sort of stuff which all helps and another thing is just you know clearing the mind there's all those fears concerns just get it on paper and that one step yeah. alone can take two minutes to do that your brain's going to work on it better if it's on paper. It's not a big jumbled mess. Dialogue it out. Develop a plan for each thing. If this completely goes to shit, what are my next three steps? If this goes to shit, what are my next three steps? And, you know, it's, uh, you know, negative thinking works better than positive thinking in that respect because you actually get a better, rather than saying it's going to be fine, well, what if it's not? Here's a plan. Gives you a lot more confidence and power than um, it's going to be fine without any basis for it it's going to be fine. <laughs> um, so yeah, I find that's the other thing as well. Just all of my problem areas, what, you know, I'll have a, a plan written down for. So I'm prepared. Uh, none of the plans usually involve being able to hold my breath for three minutes, but if they ever did, <laughs> I'd be important. But the, the wisdom, John, in, in what you're communicating too, from the perspective of knowing what you need. Yeah. What, what you need to keep your mind right. Right. Yeah. So, so, by the way, I'm the same. I didn't say that before, but if I'm nervous, because I can get nervous, I'll yeah. go and meditate. It's like I, 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 I put it as a priority, keeping my mind straight. Yeah. Like if I've got to work, if there's work to do and my mind's not in the right place, I'll make the priority to get my mind in the right place and do the work. You make yeah, it's always got to be coming yeah. back to awareness of self and how accurately yeah. you want to see yourself. Mm. And I think that's been the biggest growth for me the last couple of decades has been well, just how much of me accurately am I prepared to see? Because every time I see myself more accurately and I'm not there, but every time I see myself more accurately, my decisions come from a truer place and the decisions are more accurate. What is it they say? You see the world not as it is, but as you are. So yeah. the better we can see ourselves, the more accurately we're going to see the world. So I have disciplines around yoga in the morning or walking. Um, I try to have breakfast with my husband if I can, unless I'm intermittent fasting. I put a huge amount of effort into my health. I'm 50, nearly 56, so it doesn't stay slim simply for wishing it to be so. My 20s were very different to my 50s. Yeah. So I put a massive amount of effort into structuring my day around my health. And then I structure my day loosely around the key goals I want to achieve for that month, quarter, or year. And then 
but I make sure there's a lot of structure and discipline because I could easily get sucked into YouTube. I could easily get sucked into a marathon session of watching Newsweek. I think nearly sucked me in last night. I could have stayed till 2 a.m. watching, do you remember Newsweek from 10 years ago? The Aaron yeah. Sorkin series. High yeah. quality news reporting is what we need right now. So I can, I can easily go get, get lost in rabbit holes for day on, days on addictions, truly. So I have a lot of help in pulling myself away from the desire to just lose myself in the latest addiction. So very, very structured. I, I can't trust my discipline. I've got to trust the structure because yeah. uh, as much as I am disciplined, to, like on the big five on my conscientiousness, I'm very, very high. But I could be just as conscientious about watching 12 episodes of The West Wing. Seriously, I could, I could give that my all and nail it. So yeah. a lot of making sure I'm staying on track for the stuff I say that matters when achieving it is so far down the track. Like some of these are three-year goals. Yeah. So, yeah, but I could watch The West Wing right now. <laughs> so it's really making sure I'm staying on track with as much automation as I can because I can't trust me always with that long-term stuff. Yeah, exactly. And so many of these things are addictive, they're compulsive, that make you, and you get that instant dopamine of gratification. Whereas who's patting you on the back for doing that goal that is due in three years, you know? And, and no one knows I'm doing oh, it and it doesn't, there's no dopamine. It's just another grind and a few more pages. Like, oh God, but I could so be watching something right now. <laughs> yeah, both of you are out of interest. Like one of the things that I would struggle with at the moment is, I'm a knowledge whore and it's like I, I, I just have so many things I've always been interested in and when the world's doing what it's doing at the moment my knowledge whore goes up and higher the levels I'm like god I've got to find out about that oh wow that's interesting yeah. and so I can get locked into these YouTube with the with yeah. the great intellects and then I'm off watching what's happening uh, yeah I've just got to be really do you find that because it's the world stimulating Sam Harris it? I've watched every single episode he's ever done yeah Sam Harris I just get lost down the rabbit hole I I used to love the gym when we had the gyms because I could go to the gym for two hours and listen to a whole episode that's how I used to time my gym visit Sam yeah. Harris an entire episode so oh is I love it. It's a beautiful life. Sam Harris? Was he on the Young Turks before he started his own thing? That was Ruben. Dave Ruben was on the Young oh, Turks. Okay. I'll, I'll check out Sam Harris. You guys are both both uh, raving about him. And I think it's, um, you know, it's one of those things like intellectual pursuits are always good. And when does it become, you know, just uh, just extra dopamine <laughs> and not really serving where, where you want to go? And, you well, it, it, it's the fight between the entrepreneur part, like the entrepreneur yeah, yeah. part, we've got to keep on task. We've got these things to build. And the yeah. other part of you is like, oh, it's like we're multi-sided. So that's what uh, it is. It's like one side of us, you know. And I very fortunately have enough OCD in me around education that if I started, I'm probably going to finish it. So I am that real nerd who's going to watch all the videos of a program you guys sign me up to like yeah. i will watch all the videos because the ocd in me has to have completion so yeah. that works in my favor it's unfortunate it becomes a tv addiction on a series but on education i've read the books like i i love it and i want to devour more so i'm averaging three books a week at the moment wow. in the world that i'm heading to it's just divine i love it tell me a, give me a book give me two books that you recommend oh uh hang on, it's just Where's the pile? It's this Three new books coach I've discovered. It's the new coach I've discovered. Give me a tick. Let me just find oh, it. I'm feeling like a dummy now. 
John. Oh, it's just under that computer. Yeah, he's to be honest, he, he's one of my mentors. He yeah. was my he's one of my mentors and how Who's to be in the world. Who? The guy that wrote that Homo sapiens book, the Israeli professor, a Uriel. Will you grab a PowerPoint for my phone, please, from in there and an extension cord? You'll see it all. PowerPoint's in yeah. the future. Right. So, so this so, is where I'm at, Gary. Beyond Beliefs, The Lost Teachings of Sydney Banks. Oh, Sydney Banks. Never heard of. So he's a philosopher from way back, and he speaks about um, the beingness, that we are the one. And, yep. he, and I, I like to coach clients to recognising that they're already enough and they're already who all they need to be. And he has a philosophy that teaches that. Great. Thank you. The other book that I've just started, guys, is The Little Book of Change, The No Willpower Approach to Breaking Any Habit by Amy Johnson. And that book is based on the work of Sydney Banks Brought to Life. Really? What's her yeah. name? What was it? What was her name again? Little Book Amy of Change. Amy Johnson. Amy Duncan. It's Johnson. What was that subhead? Uh, so it's the little book of the little book of big change, a no willpower approach to breaking any habit. How was that? John can't help himself. He, he's like, oh, that's good copy. That's yeah, good yeah. copy. That's good copy. And then just to really do everybody's heads in, Perry, you'll appreciate this: a book on attachment theory. Oh, how thick that one? That thick. Yeah, yeah, thought so. And I do confess I'm not reading every page of this because it's, it's it's actually research-based, so everything's cited. It's quite tedious, yes. but I'm loving learning about attachment theory. Yeah. And I'm delivering a training coming up on emotional intimacy, so obviously attachment theory needs to be part of that conversation. What are you guys reading? I'm not. I'm watching and listening. Okay. Yeah, I'm listening. All I'm doing is podcasts, 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 podcasts. Ah. I'll get my phone out. Give me two seconds and I'll tell you. Sam Harris is my main one. Jordan Peterson, before he got sick, he's kind of yeah. disappeared a little bit. Jeez, um, uh, I've watched a, a great one last night. In fact, Remy, I'm going to send this to you based on what you're studying. It's by a black guy who's saying this this whole racism thing is a racial construct. He's talking about construct. And, yeah, you What's like it. What's the name of the book? It's not a book. I'll get it for oh, you. Oh, podcast, of course. Yes, I mean, podcast. Yeah. So uh, here we go. I've got the Darknet Diaries, Surveillance, Artificial Intelligence, The Godfather. His name's Gaff. He's a, a Israeli philosopher and what's his background? Uh, evolutionary Science. Oh, God, sorry. I, love I, just put, I just put him on and I go from one to the next to the next. You just want to understand what makes us or tick as a human and as a society and as a system, it sounds like. You want to yeah, yeah. Oh, what you'd love is, uh, you know, Brett Weinstein and Eric Weinstein. Oh, I love, he is so intellectual and he's doing my head in. I have to listen to most of his podcasts two or three times. And by the third time I've got past understanding the word and the and it, and I start diving a bit deeper. He shoots way above my head sometimes, but I'm doing yeah. my best to hold on to it. Well, there's a guy that I've come across who's the best... Uh, from from deconstructive thinking in the sense of uh, you understand what I mean deconstructive thinking uh, ability to see our own human biases and how we think his name's Schrumberger and he's on Rebel Wisdom Network and he's doing some amazing work around what the around the media and how the media are agendized and how uh, are, are just pushing agendas 
and how we as individuals are hardwired. I, I think about this often because this is the thing with the media at this point. I am hardwired to have an enemy. So in crisis, yeah. right, in crisis, I was telling one of my sons a little while ago, he's going on about people being racist. And I said, well, it's easy for you. This is, this is about two years ago. I said, it's easy for you to, to write off someone for being racist. You live in an abundant society. At that stage, we're living in Avalon and the Northern Beaches, very wealthy, abundant area. I said, what would happen if um, <laughs> suddenly all the Chinese or the Indians or pick any race were taking all our jobs and you couldn't get a job and, and, and we well, were hungry? His waves. <laughs> What's that? Brazilians were taking his waves. Well, well, I was going to get to that because we saw a really interesting thing here in Byron, the land of peace and love. But that's because when resources thin out, we our, our idea of we shrinks. So we is my wife and I, my two kids, and anyone else is an enemy if it, if it gets resources get that restricted. But what what where I was going with this conversation is that we are because I've seen it myself. The moment we're into crisis and resources are restricted our sense of I and who are, we go into enemy making. Mm. Now, that, that is hard driven us from a, from a biological perspective. That's what we were required for us to survive. So you think about, I'm fighting, I'm pretty aware of myself and I can see these tendencies within myself. Think about yeah. what's happening in the world where this is people's unconscious state and we've got media pushing people into these states of polarization where they yeah. act to right. enemy make. Yeah, yeah. We're, guy, we're very tribal, unfortunately, with yeah, tribal. being created by media. Um, and Eric and Brett talk about this really well. I love all their stuff on tribalism and evolutionary um, drivers that are... Who, who's that? Who? Well. well, Eric and Brett once... Oh, yes, they talk about that all the time. Yeah. It's competition for scarce goods, and it can explain so much. So, for example, my family in Scotland who are working class um, would have been most likely... Um, pro-Brexit because for them what it means is um, people from, you know, let's say Poland coming over and taking their jobs which don't have high barriers to entry, whereas um, I'm a sort of knowledge worker, I've um, got a good income and all I see is my European passport being taken, I can't travel easily across Europe, so I've got completely different uh, concerns and they're both equally um, equally valid so i think that perspective thing is well, I, I agree with you to a point my view is if we don't do our best to overcome tribalism we will never make progress out of the silos we're building for ourselves and outrage politics becomes the normal we're living yeah. in a time we communicate in a way that is very abnormal virtue signaling outraged comments piling on people deplatforming forming tribes against others and thinking they should get what's coming to them. If this is as good as we've got after all our evolution, we're doing a really fucking bad job. Well, that's what I was going to ask you both before. Do you think, okay, do you think we can evolve past that? Because uh, that's exactly the crux of what I'm looking at in the world at this point. When I said to you before, John, I think his name's Yuval that wrote that book. Um, yeah. Yeah. He was my mentor because I could see he could live in that world and he stay, stays in a high state of consciousness. So what I mean by high state of consciousness, he stays neutral, loving and intellectual. So his logic is tied to his heart. Mm. And so it doesn't matter how he's attacked, he can just answer from his intellect without getting emotional. So mm. for someone like, for me, I see him as 
someone who can be a leader that's gone beyond all of this. And I'm wondering if we can all get beyond this. Uh, be nice. We're teaching our kids the opposite. We're yeah. teaching our kids to have trigger warnings. We're yeah. teaching them to have safe spaces. We're teaching them to have the right to never be offended. No one has the right to not be offended. And to think we have to protect people from being offended, we can never get to what you've just said. Because well, then, we literally are convincing ourselves we have the right to be upset and stop the source of the upset instead of realizing the source of the upset is ourselves. This is basic cognitive behavior therapy. This is not advanced and we're still dealing with it like it's unacceptable. Literally, cognitive behavior therapy says we are the source of our own upset and angst. No one can offend me. I can only be offend myself through what you say. We're literally teaching the opposite right now. So if I have the right to be offended by what you do, I have the right to stop you. If the right to stop you, my tribe will stop you. You will be deplatformed. Until we get past this basic premise that you can do anything to me, we're not making any progress. But then here's the question, and this is, a, this is the moral dilemma you've both talked about. Hear how passionately we talk about it. And we know, right, because I think about this all the time, I wouldn't run my family the way that people run discussions. Okay, I don't run my business or my relationships with anyone I know in that vein. So we know a better model, mm. and you've just explained it. And when we don't go out there and explain people about these models of communicating, connecting, listening to another person, waiting, coming back, putting your counter viewpoint to them, if we're not teaching being that, upset, you're right, we're complicit. Okay with being upset, and you've got to insert there. It's feeling upset by the conversation, recognizing you're upset, but not trying to end that person saying it, managing your own emotional reactivity. That's called being an adult. That's maturity. I will manage my upset. I will not expect me to manage you. Mm. But this is the come back to the moral dilemma. I, like the moment you I'm inflamed right now. I feel like the world needs to hear more of this. And if I don't go out and communicate about it, right, that's it's like we were saying before. It is a it's like I feel like we're, you know, before this all happened, I knew it was happening. I have a, John knows, my unconscious will tell me a lot of things. It was really interesting. Around uh, four months ago or five months ago, before this sort of was appearing, I could pick it up in the ether. And I had this thing come up my consciousness you're going to have to pick sides. You're going to have to pick sides. Right? That was like the saying that was coming up inside of me. And that's been the war. Okay, well, uh, if there's a side, the side is on what we're talking about. How do we communicate? We can't, we can't continue having communications like we're doing at the moment. Journalism can't continue in the way that it's, that, it, that it's continuing at this point because journalism itself is feeding the sickness that you've just talked about. Journalism. So our institutions, our government institutions are no longer being neutral and representing all the people. They are polarised around political ideology as well. And the moment you don't trust an institution and we're losing faith literally in religion, the moment we as tribes stop believing in all the institutions, anarchy is all we're left with. We are not trustworthy when we're left just to all splinter off into our own and not have something bigger than us that we believe is there, be it religion, which it used to play an amazing role, be it institutions, as all of that breaks down, as all that trust breaks down and we silo. I, is that what we're seeing in the US at the moment? I would say, based on what you're saying, that's what we're starting to see in the US. More than starting to. This is it. They're literally no longer 
they want to burn the White House down. That yeah. is the ultimate symbol of institutional trust and power. And the moment you want to burn that down and you literally think that's a good thing, we've lost all faith and confidence in our institutions. So this is a whole other conversation, guys. This is for another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely fascinating. So, J.A., did you want to get the last word? Because we just took over a little bit there. What a shock. <laughs> and, you know, one of the things, um, just to bring it back to marketing all the things you're talking about are actually caused by the spike the systems within social media that pixel us into certain conversation groups and tribes um you know the recommendations we get what we see what we don't see and you can certainly um just from a from a society perspective it's just an epic disaster <laughs> but from a marketing perspective it opens up the most amazing uh, marketing potential ever seen in humanity like to think that you know, uh, from my little home in Mount Martha and our little, you know, my team, you know, we work a close team from our little homes across Melbourne, we're reaching um, millions of people all around the world to sell uh, products and services and create those communities. Um, that's all done through the same networks that are also causing these problems. So. Um, there is also an incredible blue sky of opportunity. You know, in, in an hour, you can be launching a new product to a new market overseas, you know, via YouTube ad, via Facebook ad, exported from another country without ever seeing that product and building those relationships of trust. You know, I've got dear relationships of trust with um, lots of people in America, um, people in the UK. We've got st staff all around the world. And it's all done from the same laptop that causes all these problems. So well that's... said, John. The ever the optimist, John. In fairness, I could have gone so dark side down that that path with Perry, and here you are just pulling us back up. Remember, <laughs> and he's telling the truth, though. So that's right. That's the, I mean, that the is... two sides of it. There's always the two sides. That's I mean, right. All those things you talk about are only going to be exasperated by the systems of social media because they only accelerate. They gather more pixels on you and get you more firmly into your own tribe. And, you know, and they are exploited by China and Russia and outside influences. So you see a lot of false information as well. Um, but those same networks can also be the gateway to incredible partnerships of um, trust and commerce throughout the world and be that light on the hill. So... <laughs> um, you know, it, it's good that you're both safe in these times you know um, we've all got loved ones who you know um i've got elderly parents obviously who have been self-isolating these times a lot you know we all know people with you know priests you know, just makes them vulnerable so um thank god you know hopefully that um all your family and stuff are safe but really there are incredible um entrepreneurial opportunities and the things we've spoken about about you know 80 percent of time on innovation uh, decision ship, having those practices, the meditation, uh, the, the focus on health and fitness, all those things are going uh, to help. make decisions. Yeah. So making decisions based on data points, not on feeling or fear. Exactly. And going to those independent data points that aren't just me, you know, media hype and agenda. Um, yeah. And so also being willing to be wrong, that if you're trying to support an agenda, that's not the same thing as running a great business. They are not the same thing. 
Correct, correct. I mean, we just, every decision is just made on data. What are the results? Say results are true. Yeah, control and test, control and test. So let's close on this. Yeah. Three major sources of wisdom that are really affected and helped your business move forward. And you can go back 20 years. So I'm easily going to go back 20 years. Right. So an actual um, information. Person or a resource or an idea, whatever. Whatever it was that three different, what shaped you 20 years ago for you to be where you are now? I'd, yeah, I'll go with one if I can start with. Yeah. Are you asking each of us? Is you? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, okay. Well, you, I just, you were pausing, John. Do you want to answer that? I don't want to cut. Oh, no, you go. You go. No, come on, mate. You go. Um, I mean, like, I think in terms of uh, physiology, like, you know, Tony Robbins, get yourself moving every day has been uh, important to me because every week I'm going to be faced with some new train wreck of a challenge that I've got to manage the next week. And being able to know that if I go for a two-hour walk, if I go for a surf, that is going to be what equips me to be emotionally resilient the next week to deal yeah. with all those train wrecks. Um, so that's been really huge um, for me. Obviously, all my direct marketing mentors, um, you know, yeah. it's really the ability to turn words and markets into money. And I know that through that skill, no matter what happens, I can always uh, turn words into money because I know how to direct market. Um and then um, apart from that, um, you know, I, I read so much uh, history and stuff like that that I'm aware that, you know, this is just another, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think it gives you a bit of a broader perspective. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, for me, I don't get as uh, concerned, you know, being a very spiritual person, I, I don't think that, um, I don't think that I... Uh, die and I don't think I don't take the world too heavily like I get distressed when I hear about you know people going through hardship I still feel it but I, I don't attach over significance on it like I don't go overboard from um, turning it from a empathy to it's going to completely ruin my own positive outlook um, so you yeah, not overweighting life I think that overall perspective of not overweighting a temporary mm -hmm. existence and that's true even if there is no spiritual world you know if we yeah. if we all disappear after we die then that's still true anyway we're in an empty and meaningless world so either way it's a true um, perspective so not overweighting life um that's awesome i think the three touch points that what has shaped me and my businesses the most has been uh learning to manage myself manage my state manage my thinking as much as I can, I'm aware of, and to know I have choice in how I show up to the day, regardless of circumstances, there is choice in how I show up. That's been really foundational. The second is how to systemize and reverse engineer a business so that I don't have to be in it, I can work on it. That's been absolutely instrumental to the scale that we've achieved in our two biggest businesses. And I think the third has been direct response marketing and learning to be able to write copy and create a movement through the power of communication. That has been, particularly I have to name Frank Kern, teaching mm -hmm. mass, um, what was the program? Mass control all those years ago for $2,000. That, that was it. That program there that I think you can still buy in the black market, game changer. The day I learned about direct response marketing within the mass control model of Frank Kern's, I don't yeah. know what he's doing now. 
That I'm doing so one of his courses right now. Are you really? Oh, yeah, I, I love Frank Kern's teaching. I just love how he teaches. He's just yeah. a, So how about you, Perry? Uh, I reckon I'm still learning. That's one of the things that when you ask that question, it's funny. I just feel like I've still got so much to learn. And I think that's one of the great things about being in business because you've constantly forced to evolve, upgrade your skill set, see where you're weak, what you need to strengthen, and there's just more to learn. But um, to answer the question literally, so... So when I was young, what shaped you back? Yeah, then? no, that's where I'm going. It's like yeah. I remember when I first went to Hawaii as a, as a young surfer, and I had I was working co in, in corporate life. I was, uh, you know, they'd, I'd been headhunted and then put into this position as a young guy with lots of people under me, and and I just went, this is boring. I can't stand this. And everyone's going, well done, you're doing so well, Perry. And I went, I'm out of here. I'm going to. I just wanted to be happy, and I wasn't happy. So I went to Hawaii, and I. Uh, spent time with two surfers. They were always in the water with me in the middle of the day. They would have been in their 40s at that stage. And I was like, they got nice cars and they'd go on skiing trips. And they taught me two things. First of all, you can build businesses that give you an amazing life. And that was the first thing, seeing that, because I'd never had a representation of that. I'd just seen you work really hard and that's an underlying belief system. You just work real hard right so um and they they taught me the next thing which was about leverage okay so don't do everything yourself how you don't do things yourself kind of what you talked about before how, how and they started to help me learn well i have a phrase for it is not be a resource control resources yeah right so don't be a resource control resources now i have to work with all my most of my clients are brought up in this work ethic where they just unconsciously train through the schooling system to be a resource. So I've usually got to work with them to get out of that thinking. So those two things. And, and the third one was a business partner of mine. His name was Silvano Gabani. Now Silvano Gabani was a really wealthy guy and uh, he'd grown up in South Africa. He's a South African Italian Jew. Um, he, he, he would shift money all around the world. He just, just through his upbringing. But what he taught me was logic. He's a very logical human being. And yeah, he probably helped me upgrade my logic abilities. Yeah, yeah. like consequentialism, like what you talk about. Yeah, and not so being emotional. Like he would only make business decisions from logic. So that's three of my, my big influences, yeah. There's some real parallels between all three of us, what we've trained our minds to care about and think about and obsess about and take mm -hmm. care of. There's yeah. something in business, no matter how chaotic the times, I'm taking care of my thinking, my leveraging my business and my resources through systems. And I'm going to constantly make sure I'm thinking about where I'm heading and I've got the right team around me. This is just, this is 101 stuff, guys. We just have to take care of this no matter what the times we're in. So this has been amazing. Is anybody, oh, firstly, can you guys share before I wrap up a little bit about how people can get in touch with you? If that's what you're looking to do, I don't know if you guys are open to that, but Perry, do you have a way to contact you if people can yeah, find out can, what you're doing? They can go to my website, recessionbusters.com.au or perrymardon.com or mardoninternational.com. There you go. You'll find that's me. That's perfect. Thank you. How about you, Jay? 
Well, for me, I, I'd say go along to recessionbusters.com.au, learn from Perry. I've paid a lot of money to learn from him in the past, now he's a dear friend, and go to the Coaching Institute. Guys, thank you, both of you. You've been so thank generous you. with your time. Both it's been marvellous. Really, really appreciate <laughs> you both. Fantastic. I just love being able to talk to some people that want to talk about the things we talked about today. Usually they don't. They're like that. So I like them. Great. Thank you. Thanks, Perry. Thanks, John. Thanks, everyone. See you.